So welcome to another edition of the We Are Mission podcast, a podcast of Missio Scotland. I am Gerard Goff, the Communications Officer, and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Bishop John Keenan of Paisley Diocese. Bishop John, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. Bishop John, should we just start off, um, just tell us a wee bit about your background, you know, um, what you were like in, in the family home and, and school and things like that. Tell us a wee bit about yourself. Well, so I grew up in the northwest of, of uh, Glasgow in Maryhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Wineford uh, housing estate. Um, I was uh, one of five siblings. My, my sister was the eldest. And uh, then there was four boys after that. And I was the fourth. Uh, so I wasn't the oldest, wasn't the oldest boy, wasn't the middle and wasn't the youngest. It was <laughs> a kind of like the, the, the also ran. Um, my dad had a, a news agent in the south side of, of um, the Glasgow in the Gorbals when I was growing up. And um, we go back and forward to the sweetie shop and eat all of the, the sweets in his shop and play football <laughs> in the back in the back shop. Um, uh, primary school was in St Gregory's mm-hmm. primary school and the parish was the new parish of, of, of St Gregory's that had been opened a couple of years really before I was born and the new church um, that was um, built uh, when I was about three or four. So uh, growing up uh, for me, um, the, the school, parish, home really were one thing, I, I wouldn't have known how to distinguish them, the parish priests, the uh, teachers, my mum and dad, they were all just um, one or a piece in, in a Catholic world. I remember as a happy uh, upbringing, myself and my brothers were football daft, mm-hmm. we played in the school football team and because it was four of us we'd also play football um, uh, out in a wee bit of the square ground, square ground in, the, in the housing scheme, that's what we did, I remember. Um, football dominators playing football and um, uh, uh, following the the Celtic. Um, the, the parish was really vibrant. There were so many things going. There was boys clubs, girls clubs, cubs, scouts, guides, brownies. Not that I was in the brownies or the guides. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so lots and lots of things going on. Uh, it was obviously working class, but there was just a sense in the 70s that things were getting better. Mm-hmm. I, I think in my class, uh, you know, the, the teachers used to ask in the class, who was at Mass on Sunday and who wasn't? I mean, I'd, I'd not, I'd, maybe not the, the most advised thing to do, certainly not nowadays, but in that time of, of, of my class of 30, two or three didn't go to Mass. Everybody else um, did. So it was it was happy, it was vibrant, uh, a hopeful, um, a joyful uh, upbringing, really. Mm-hmm. And, and just in terms of yourself, you know, you said that you know football was obviously an interest. At school, what sort of things were you interested in? Um, so it, I was fairly uh, diligent. I remember I was, you know, I, I was, I was almost towards the top of the class. Truth be told, mm-hmm. more interested in uh, I think probably uh, uh, English and the and the uh, and the projects that we had than maybe uh, math. That's the way my mind was more. But again, uh, you know. I just remember school being a a fairly happy time of of prime. That was primary school. High school, uh, I went to the Salesians, the junior seminary down in um, in Strigley in Cheshire. Um, when I was twelve, from about twelve to sixteen, um, and then it really became. And I was still. And again, it was just. Uh, it was essentially a school for young lads who were who were vaguely or remotely thinking about the priesthood. I think of the eighty lads who were there in, in any given year, maybe two would become priests, so the vast majority didn't. But again, um, I, I, what was I interested in? Um, 
I, I mean, I, I kind of worked sort of hard. I, I was interested um, in RE at the time, as you would probably imagine. Um, I, we had Latin, I enjoyed it. We had a great English teacher, and I became really interested in, in English. As we went up the school um, to, to um, S, S4, S5, it began to dawn on me that I wasn't quite as good at, at maths and science or as interested as I was in those um, other subjects. We had hobbies, I remember we used to, there was um, obviously because the, the time had to be structured even in the evening, there was hobbies class and I remember getting interested in making um, uh, balsa wood uh, aeroplanes and, and things like that. Again, it was it was football because we had lots of time to play together. Actually, we became quite a good um, football team and, and in the leagues round about, we, we were in um, leagues round about the Cheshire area and uh, 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 and cups and we we always did very well. So mm -hmm. I, I suppose I suppose that would be um, yeah, yeah that would be my life as a as a, a school. Mm -hmm. And circling back to the family again, I know that sometimes it seems like a very obvious question, but did would you say your your family is a traditional, typical Catholic family, and and did faith play a big part in your life? It did. It did, yeah. I mean, it, so again at the time, uh, Jerry, th th this was the 70s. Mm -hmm. As I say, most Catholics went to Mass. Most Catholic homes went to Mass. And I think at that at that point, certainly where I was, it must have been 90% uh, practice rate. And there was, a, you know, teams and teams of altar servers and all different kinds of things. There was a children's Mass and all the children went to it from the school as it was every Sunday and there was a sister, Sister Gregory, who would lead us in our prayers after communion. Um, in in terms of that, my family was a traditional Catholic family, but probably even in that in those times noted for it being even more um, a Catholic than the other families or more devoted than the other. Uh, my dad, um, he had his uh, news agent's shop over in the Gorbals, but he as, as often as not, would go over and serve the seven o'clock mass in St Francis, mm -hmm. in the Gorbals. He knew all the priests who were there. He he loved the church. He loved the the priesthood. My mum was uh, was very devout as well. Uh, we would have not every night, uh, but um, in in uh, in you know kind of uh, seasonally, we would have rosary mm -hmm. at, at, at night. Um, uh, my mum would would say it um, very. She would take the first part of it and she would say it slowly and ponderously and my, my dad would say the second part and make up whatever time he could <laughs> 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 we're all grateful for that <laughs> um, uh, yeah we were the we were the the go-to family if there was a a funeral the priest would phone my my mum mm -hmm. and say we need altar servers and the four of us would, would go down That'd so yeah, we yeah. were we, we were we were raised to think in short that um faith really was faith the church the parish was the most important thing mm -hmm. uh, in our lives. That that was number one and everything else fitted around about that. There were lots of other things, but they all fitted around our Catholic faith and our devotion to the parish. Mm -hmm. So when you were, when you were at school, did you have a, an inkling that you would like that you like to be a priest? Um, or was, was there something that was a catalyst for you taking up your vocation, and an influence? Um, I did. I uh, Yeah, I probably I would never really be able to say that that um, there was any time in my life where, where I was absolutely sure mm -hmm. I wouldn't be a priest. I mean, again, we were the go-to boys to to serve Mass. And I remember when, when I was serving Mass, just um, really being absorbed with um, what the priest said. This would be about eight, nine, ten, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember 
wondering why it took the priest seven years to, to study for the priesthood, because I was thinking, well, if the priest took ill, I could say the Mass right now, because I know all the words <laughs> and I know everything he does. Um, so I think I had a, a, a sort of a romantic idea of the priesthood. It was really formed as much as anything by saints like St. John Bosco. He was, uh, anyone who knows St. John Bosco in his, his life, he was a, like a comic book hero, as well as a a very um, as well as a saint, and in his boyhood, he learned acrobatics and running and uh, magic tricks and all that sort of mm. stuff to to bring people to the church. And his story was just a real boy's story, a hero of someone who became a priest. So he he, uh, uh, he was he was my hero, and what he did um, was something that really galvanised, inspired me. As I say, my 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 dad had such a he had such an ardent love for the priesthood, respect. He had mm -hmm. tremendous esteem. We tell us stories about about saints. So, you know, a, a great um, admiration for the, for the priesthood, love for the priesthood was really rooted um, in us. Um, the, our priests, uh, the parish priests, uh, were very friendly with my family. One particular, uh, Father Gallagher, was um, really... Um, he was really close to our families, the parish priest, and um, he really befriended uh, myself and uh, all my brothers. Uh, and and then when I when I got to about seventeen or eighteen, at uh, nineteen, he uh, it was just after John Paul had visited Scotland and there was a great renewal. Well, he just let us do anything we liked in the parish. He just more or less handed over the parish to myself and the young people, and that was a tremendous and a really a tremendous influence on me because I kind of got hands on. Mm -hmm. um, parish work from the point of view of, of being a, a lay person but parish life began to really absorb my mind mm -hmm. in, in terms of <laughs> what you're talking there about saying that you think you could have celebrated the mass um, right off the bat sort of thing did you what kind of surprises did fall on your vocation bring you know if you if maybe thought it was formulaic but what kind of surprises did you find well so then so then I so I went to junior seminary mm -hmm. uh, and for those first five years of junior seminary I I was pretty sure that I would I would go on to uh, be a priest with the with the Salesians mm -hmm. okay. whose whose work was with, with with young people and particularly with education either um in in the UK province or uh, uh, they had a a, a, a missionary support the UK sponsored uh, the Liberian mission okay. so it also involved um, some time in the missions then um, obviously 16, 17 hit and then you begin to uh, notice um, the girls and things like that oh, and, yeah, yeah. and other possibilities <coughs> and I went for six months to the to the pre-senior seminary down in in, uh, in Farnborough to uh, a Salesian school down there but at that particular point I wanted a break I really wanted not to have the 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 weight of the the priesthood on me and and wanted then just to I had an aspiration to be a a, a normal lay person mm. really but with my faith always meaning a lot to me but to sure. get married and have a family and to have a, a career and a profession and, and and do well in the world but but really to really to um but really to have that sort of freedom of the the, the lay faithful and so then I left after six months and um, then got a, a job for six months, got to Langside College, got uh, uh, my hires, and then went to Glasgow University to study law. Mm -hmm. Living in, in Mary Hill and, and studying Glasgow University, it was only half an hour walk, so I, I stayed at home 
and um, I went to university. My brother, um, Jerry, my older brother, Jerry, was, was a year ahead of me in law. Mm -hmm. and, and my expectation for second year law was, was actually to qualify as a lawyer, to become a lawyer, probably to set up a firm with, with him, mm -hmm. um, hopefully to get married and have a family. And that was really kind of the, the way I, I kind of saw my life developing. So what was happening is that, uh, is that Monday to Friday, I was I was um, in the university, meeting um, lots of friends, having a, a great time, and you know a, a dozen of those students are, are, are good friends of mine now, mm -hmm. um, doing all the things that students would do, if truth be told. Um, but in this uh, in the in the Saturday and Sunday, I was involved in in, in my parish, and that really um, was round about leading the music group, mm -hmm. and and setting up a, a youth group in the parish. And that all took place in a in a Sunday. Well. The parish priest had kind of asked us to set up our music group. I could play the guitar and the keyboard, and I really threw myself into it. And there was another group there who had already had a music group, so I was kind of taking over something that was already going. But it really developed by in the in the three or four years that um, ten thirty mass went from just having a couple of us to have about twenty or thirty people in the in our music group. That that would be guitars, piano, trumpets, flute, violins. Choir, and more and more people came to that mass. So by the end, it was absolutely jumping, and the the, the youth group Sunday youth group was developing, getting busier and busier and busier. So the effect of that was, I was getting more and more captivated in the the weekend with parish life, and then Monday to Friday, pursuing my uh, pursuing my, uh, my my life as a student. What what happened actually was, um, during the during the masses, I was so captivated that when the the priest was was um, I'm sure you don't do this, Jerry, but in the priest, the parish priest was preaching. Um, I wasn't paying attention. Right? <laughs> I was thinking in my mind for weeks on end. I was thinking, you know, if I was the priest here, I would do that. Mm -hmm. If I was the priest, I'd do that. If I was the priest, I'd do that. Mm -hmm. And then one Sunday, I can still remember it. This, it was like a, a thought came like a wee fly land in my head as a mild reproach. If you're so clever and you know exactly how to be a priest, why are you studying to be a lawyer? And it was the question I didn't want to come into my head mm -hmm. because um, the priesthood, the, the, the church was my hobby. I was absolutely captivated as a hobby, but I didn't want it to be my life. I wanted my life to be mm -hmm. uh, uh, doing well as a lawyer and uh, having a nice family. And that was a crisis then. There was like a, at that particular point, this is third year, uh, and I saw my life opening up in a crossroads coming in and one was the priesthood which was I was beginning to think that's the meaning of my life that's what God wants me to be mm -hmm. and then the other was uh, what I wanted I thought that's my happiness so I thought the choice of my life is meaning or happiness mm -hmm. at that time I thought that and eventually eventually I thought you can't go through your life and miss your meaning mm -hmm. so eventually then I, I spoke to my parish priest and I, I said to him father can I speak he's a lovely old man I said can I speak to you in confidence I mean, I worked up courage to do it. My head was nearly exploding. And then one, one day I said, can I speak to him? He said, yeah, sure. And I went down and I said, look, I'm just thinking maybe I'm called to the priesthood, but I'm just kind of thinking about that. He said, oh, right, you are. And then a couple of days later, he said, listen, I've spoken to the archbishop about it. You have to go and see him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so pressure. It was sort of taken <laughs> out of my hands. Uh, and I, I, I graduated then in 84 in the July, and I started seminary in, in, in the summer of, of uh, the autumn of, of 80. Of eighty-eight, sorry, of eighty-eight. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, that's that, that. That seems to be quite a common um, theme, where uh, you know, 
people that have taken a vocation, they talk about the kind of two paths and things like that. You, it's obviously something that you gave a lot of thought to and things like that. So vocation is important. What do you think the term means in its broadest sense? Well, for me, I mean, it literally means a calling, vocari to call. I mean, for me, it felt like that, Jerry. It it it, it, the, the, it didn't come from me because I didn't when I when I received the call when I was now about twenty two, I didn't want to be a priest. Mm -hmm. Right, the the short answer. I I saw myself as being always very much involved in the church, but I didn't want to be a priest. Mm -hmm. And this idea that came into my head: uh, if you're so clever. Why are you studying to be a lawyer? That was the first part of the the calling. And then I wrestled with, with God like Jacob with the angel for 18 months and and, and, and tried to compromise. I, I think in the course of that, by the time I'd got to my, my honours year in law, I'd probably decided that I'm not going to be a lawyer. But I thought, well, maybe I could go into teaching and become an RE teacher. Or a journalist, and and uh, you know, and try and get the truth out of it. So I was yeah. compromising all the time, but none of them would do. Mm -hmm. None of them would do. I remember then one of the things that kind of clarified it was I, I thought, imagine, let me imagine my life the way I want it. Um, get into the law and being married and have a family, and getting to the end of my life, getting to re to retirement and looking back, and maybe I haven't done better than I'd quite expected, and married better than I expected. Looking back, thinking. Is is that enough? Mm -hmm. Is that enough? And there was something missing. And then I, I thought, alternatively, imagine myself turning out to be a priest and living my life as a priest, and maybe not be, maybe not being as 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 fruitful as maybe I'd have hoped. But I get to the end of my life, and there's an angel tells me somebody's in heaven who wouldn't have been there had you not been a priest. Mm -hmm. One soul would that be enough? I remember thinking it would be enough. I'd die happy. Mm -hmm. So. All of those things led me to, to realise this is something that God wants, mm -hmm. has chosen me to be, that's defining um, the purpose of my life, that if I follow it for all eternity, I'll have found the meaning of my life. And if I don't for all eternity, I wouldn't have done. That's how it, the vacation came to me at the time. I think as well... Um a lot of people just there's kind of cliches about you know seminarians and, and priests and things like that, but it's it's a tough it's <laughs> it's a tough um, study period and it's a tough you know vocation as well, um, so you need to draw strength from somewhere. Where where do you tend to draw strength from? So for me, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, if, so for me, and that that would probably, I think that began probably pre my you know the last year uh, before I went to seminary, then continued in seminary. It's prayer. Mm -hmm. Personal prayer, actually, for me. Um, I found myself in, in my final year spending half an hour in the church in the morning before I went to, to uni. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I got to seminary, uh, also I tried to get down early to into the, the, the um, seminary chapel and spend about half an hour uh, uh, in prayer. And I've continued now to do that, that half an hour in the morning, as soon as I get up, mm -hmm. uh, I, I meditate half an hour on the on the scriptures of the day. And then half an hour when I get in it in the evening, I just spend half an hour in front of the Lord of the Blessed Sacrament, more or less going through the day with him, uh, yep. just chatting about the day. So I find that's what it, and for me particularly, it's Our Lady. Um, from the, uh, when I look back in my life, Our, Our Lady seemed to have a, a special choosing of me and I, I particularly remember going to the seminary and, and my first year, it was like 
um, Our Lady really came to me in a really special way. And so my my, my spirituality has been really Marian. I, 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 I pray to Our Lady a lot. I'm very close to Our Lady. You need, you certainly do. I couldn't imagine nearly a day, never mind my life, without that um, that personal prayer. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, scripture there as, as well. Is, is there a kind of scripture passage or, or, or a saint even that kind of dis- defines your, your vocation? Well, there's been various passages through through my through my life. Yeah, so the saint the saint would would be Our Lady. Mm-hmm. She would be certainly number one. There's no doubt about that. But then I, I do have an, a number of saints who are are special to me. And if I was just to take off the top of my head, well, I've mentioned Saint John Bosco mm-hmm. uh, in a in a, a special. Way. He's he's. I, I think I've got a Salesian heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still do think, even though I'm a diocesan. John Bosco is a diocesan priest, mm-hmm. um, but I think I've got a Salesian heart. Um, I, I I love Saint Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Saint Paul, um, and particularly his missionary heart. Well, two things about his heart. First of all, how passionately he loved Jesus. It was with a passion. He says at a certain point, the love of Christ is driving me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I kind of get a, a, a faint sense of that. It's the love of Jesus drives us on. But his his great missionary endeavor, his love of people, the love of salvation of souls, all things to all men to save a few at any cost. And going through following when his fourth mi- four missionary journeys in the Easter season is, is, is something I, 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 I love. But uh, lots of other saints as well. But those were just two would... Um, you know, those were two. And if you were to say scripture passages, I mean, yeah, that was that was Cardinal Winning's motto: "The love of Christ drives Caritas Christi or getting nos." That's always meant something special to me because I think what what gets me out of my bed in more the morning ultimately it's it's the love of Jesus that does. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of like um, after you you're ordained the priest, where? Did your vocation take you before you became a bishop, and, mm. and how were you received in the, the parish? So my first so. parish was was Christ the King in Kings Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, absolutely, it was it was probably the um, the biggest, uh, uh, arguably maybe Lourdes in Cardona was bigger, but I think it was or, or Holy Cross, but it was considered to be one of the biggest, most vibrant parishes in in the, in, in Glasgow, and I think therefore. Uh, new priests were sent there because it would be a good experience. At the time, um, I, I was there with another three priests, the parish priests, Monsignor Jimmy McMahon, God rest him, uh, Father Jim Koska, senior curate, God rest him, and Father Shawnee McCauley, who was working in the tribunal from Argyll on the Isles and was living with us, God rest him. They're all dead except <laughs> myself. The parish was uh, south side of Glasgow. It, it, it had been the people, the, the Irish Catholic population had settled in, in the Gorbals and then um, he done well and moved out to to Crawfoot and Sims Hill and yeah. Kings Park Cathcart. What was that, the, what I what was amazing about that community w- was that it that it was it was demographically so. I came from the north of the city, which was very mixed, mm-hmm. really mixed. Uh, but going to the south side of Glasgow, it was demographically almost all kind of Irish Catholic, maybe mm-hmm. Italian Catholic a bit as well, um, uh, and. A great sense of faith, a great sense of fun, and a great sense of um, a, a, a great a egalitarian thing. Whether someone lived in in Kings Park or whether they lived in another, it didn't matter. They all just go on like a house on fire. It, there was so many things happening in the parish at the time. That was it was lots of people come to mass. They'd vibe, vibrant with lots of clubs going on. The parish house was a 
a happy place to be. So that was good. I remember at a particular point, um, when the, we had this thing, when the priest was, one priest was celebrating the Mass, uh, at the end of the Mass, the other two of us would would stand at, at uh, the, the two doors at the back mm -hmm. um, to take, to greet the people who are coming out and maybe they'd want to see us at various things. And at one point, um, Father Jim Cosker walked over from his door to mine and came over to me and said, John, enjoy this, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it's, I'm so grateful for that, such happy memories. I was five years there, um, all, also uh, involved uh, going into the primary school and I was chaplain in St Mirren's for the first year and St Phil's in the second year. And those are fantastic, I loved the schools, that's where I got a real love of the schools, of, of, of the staff and schools, of the kids, the whole thing. Uh, and then after the after two years, so, uh, I was still there, and then I was appointed chaplain at Holyrood. Mm -hmm. And uh, of the two thousand or so um, kids in Holyrood, a thousand of them were from my parish, so mm -hmm. it was a great extension. And we, we'd, uh, that was when I first started taking people on, on World Youth Days and things like that. That was just a great experience. Then um, after five years, um, I was appointed to Turnbull Hall, mm -hmm. uh, the university chaplaincy and that was my first time on my own and um, in the West End so back to back to the university where I'd studied mm -hmm. uh, for for four years um, uh, after a gap of about 12 years I was back there and, um, and so I kind of felt I knew the university and and I felt they they were glad that the chaplain there was one of their alumni mm -hmm. um, that um, it, I was fortunate insofar as uh, a number of families from Kings Park came with me and really helped me to to develop the place, refurbishing it, setting up an office and mm. and what have you. And there was a, a, a sister of mercy there, Bridget. So it, it, I, I get tremendous help, uh, and we made a, a lovely little community. And now they're they're all great friends. But it allowed us to build and build and build and build the chaplaincy. First of all, refurbishing it. More and more students came, and that was a. T tr in the end, I was fourteen years. That was a tremendous experience. The community there was amazing in the end because people would choose to come to to the chaplaincy for sunday mass it wasn't it didn't wasn't a parish with a parish with territory yeah it was a parish for the, the university community anyway they wanted so we had an opportunity really to develop our faith and i felt there was a real sense that the people who came to the chaplaincy for mass really wanted to develop their faith and so that became a tremendous family to me and religiously, socially, uh, catechetically, whatever. It was just a tremendous parish. And, and um, I was probably, um, it, this now, I'm 15 years older. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it, when I got to the chaplaincy, after about 10 years, I thought, I don't want to go anywhere else. I've really now settled in my life. And if this is the rest of my life, I'm very happy. Mm -hmm. So it was a real wrench then, um, to leave. In the last, the last 14 months, um, Archbishop Tatalia also t asked me to take on St. Pat's and Anderston, as well as the chaplains in mm -hmm. two places. And that became a great compliment because um, whereas I loved the chaplains and what I missed was just regular parish life. Mm -hmm. In the university, you've got one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Yep. So you're always conscious that, I, that I'm giving an example of the church. To Most people I dealt with in university day to day mm -hmm. were not Catholic. So, because it was the wider, wider university community, so to have the parish in St Pat's, where everybody again was a one hundred percent Catholic community, it was tremendous. I loved that, and I and we had a school again, mm -hmm. and I loved getting into the school and having that. So, but that was only fourteen months, 
and then um, after that, I was uh, I got the call. I got the call to you know the kind of the fa- the fateful call, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was a real wrench for me to leave the chaplaincy and a disappointment for for me to leave St Pat's when we were just beginning to get things going. So how how does how does that feel then when you you're asked to be become a bishop and I was you know it's hard for me as a layperson to think that you know say for example you're getting a an everyday job you maybe see progression in your future is that the same when you get into the priesthood do you maybe see like the idea of taking on more responsibility and becoming a bishop is it something that's in your mind then yeah well it's a good question uh, Jerry I would probably say um I mean so I was ordained when I was I was 30 I went into seminary after I graduated at 24 I was ordained a priest just when I was 30 um there's this and I suppose to be honest there's probably natural ambition in in any young man or any young woman, which is which is as much of the world as anything, mm-hmm. we've got to be honest about that. So, um, I you know, so I, I was looking to see where's my first appointment. I was excited to see where that was going to be, um, and then and then I got it in Kings Park and and what have you. Then after a couple of years, um, Holyrood Chaplaincy was coming up, and 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 I was excited to think that I could be the chaplain there. And in fact, I even went to the Archbishop and said, look. I don't know what you're doing, but if if, if um if you want a chaplain for the school, I'm happy to to be it. I was mm-hmm. I was wanting more responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then when I, even though I absolutely loved Kings Park, when when the Archbishop first mooted with me the idea that I'd be the chaplain at the university, and this was going to be about, I was going to become a parish priest, and it was my own own place. I was ambitious for that, uh, and I was looking forward to it. And I was thinking, oh, this is this is great. The buck stops with with me and uh, at the same time uh, you know I, I was really fascinated not just with what was happening in in my parish but in the diocese every priest thinks he's the he's he, he is the best bishop the diocese never had <laughs> we all kind of think of it me I would do this if I, again it's that kind of if I was at that sure um, yeah, yeah. so probably earlier earlier on I I did think about it um, but as I say by the time I was about 10 years in the chaplaincy I just wanted to stay where I was. I think probably when you have had the responsibility of being a parish priest, you do know that 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 it's not just a it's not just a privilege. It's also a burden. That, that as the years go on, ways you you really begin really begin to take more and more seriously. I'm a father. I'm responsible mm-hmm. for these souls and and what have you. So when rumours began to emerge that um, that I might become the bishop because the way it works is that if someone's been considered, the nuncio sends out letters to people who he's been with mm-hmm. and asks them um, uh, to fill out a fairly substantial questionnaire. Now it's it comes out in three envelopes and each one is more secret than the next. It's subsecreto pontificio, you know, so which means tell nobody. But but normally what that means is that only tell one person at a time, or pontifical secret normally means now everybody knows except the Pope. <laughs> so people were coming to me and said, oh, I think you're going to be, you think you're going to be. Um, when, I'll be honest, when, when any time people said that to me, it was, I, I, it met me with a, a sense of, of dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a chalice that I, I had hoped would pass me by at that particular point. Uh, as you may remember, it was, that was 10 years ago and, and it was, um, it was the time when all these crises were coming up and, and uh, with safeguarding and, and all that sort of stuff. And my um, sense was that, uh, you know, every day you'd walk into the office, it would be another 
minor crisis. So mm -hmm. compared with that and, and with the way that I was enjoying parish life, it was something that I'd, I had hoped would, would, would pass me by, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of, you know, your vocation in, in, in its entirety, like, do you have any kind of standout memories or kind of stories from your time being a priest or a bishop? Is it in that? Time being a priest, time being a bishop. I mean, this, this, there are, um, there are so many. Uh, I mean, uh, it, anyone comes down absolutely random. Uh, one, uh, I would probably say, uh, 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 I don't know how relevant this is, but a liturgical one. We uh, in the chaplains have put an awful, awful lot of effort into our our triduum. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a lot. Of, it's almost like it's the amount of effort that I remember was put into the seminary for the triduum. We mm -hmm. put a lot of effort into it and we put a lot of effort into the music and, and what have you. And, and it was Good Friday and everything was done really well in terms of uh, having been emceed and, and what have you. And it came to the the, um, the veneration of the cross and people were coming forward and there was um, beautiful music going on uh, to accompany us. And I was just watching from my seat as the, as the priest does after he's venerated the cross, watching. Um, the faithful coming up. It was really moving mm -hmm. to see that personal moment when they are um, venerating the cross. But then this one um, old, very old um, Nigerian woman came who I'd been, I'd been attending. She'd become housebound and I'd been attending, taking her to Holy Communion. I really enjoyed taking her. Her, her, her um, daughter and, and family were very much involved in the chaplaincy. And, but, but she could still make it on occasion and she came to the, the tournament show. She came walking with her up forward with everyone else, but just couldn't get up the step to, to venerate the cross. And she tried, and then she tried the other way, and she tried the other way, and she just couldn't. And you could see real, with real dead disappointment, she just bowed before the cross. And then she was walking back to her place. But the MC then... It instructed the altar service to take the cross to her, mm. and and it, she was halfway down, and they tapped on the shoulder, and she turned and she saw the cross, mm -hmm. and her face lit up, and she was able to kiss the cross rather than just bow to it. Well, it was just such an, an emotional moment for everyone, but it brought home to me, um, the depth of the faith mm -hmm. that is in sure. the Catholic faithful, and it's still there sometimes. We forget when we see so many people leaving the church. We we sometimes forget that in the faithful who sometimes come, there is a depth of faith that is is astounding. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, jeez. Um, these uh, this might be this might be diff a diff difficult question to uh, answer based on the fact that you've you've done both. But what are the most important qualities or characteristics that a priest? Or a bishop must possess. Yeah, I mean, it is. That's it, that's an easy question to answer. It's 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 pastoral charity. It's the love of a shepherd, the love of a father. There's no doubt about it. Um, when um, the in St John Paul's time, when the um, the church had a synod on um, priestly formation, it became well known because it introduced the four pillars of priestly formation. You know, it was spiritual, human, social, uh, what have you, the, the, four, the four pillars of formation. But one of the things that, was that, um, that wasn't that was really quite noted was that the, the, um, the kind of the pulse that ran through the whole thing was the love of a shepherd, the love of a father. And Pope Francis has really emphasised that as well. Um, 
without any doubt, the spirituality of the parish priest and the spirituality of the bishop is pastoral charity. Mm. Ultimately, you have to really love um, people with a father's heart and with a shepherd's heart, which means that you, you that you want to do anything to um, to nurture and protect their faith to do anything for the salvation of their souls. Now, in fact, we don't do everything. Mm -hmm. The human beings that we are and we're sure. weak and we don't do everything. But you must want to. You must yeah. You must love them enough to want to do all of those things for them. And I think that's probably what what the people um, um, want most in their priest, in their bishop. They'll forgive everything if they, if they think their, 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 their priest loved them. And try to serve them with the heart of a father, and uh, so I, even now, um, you know, people say to me, "This is a personal thing." With people say to me, "What should I call you? What do you prefer to be called?" And and I say, "What could be better than father?" Mm -hmm. I mean, I still, and when someone, um, as, as they often do, when, when somebody um, spontaneously calls me father, I, it, it 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 does my heart good. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's this when I was just I'd become a bishop. There was this woman who was talking to me and she kept referring to me as father and then stopping herself and stumbling <laughs> and trying to change and after the fourth or fifth time I said to her look what could be better than father and like that she said mother <laughs> <laughs> and I said you know I can't I can't disagree with you but, but for me yeah pastoral charity <laughs> just dialing it back a wee bit then you, you spoke about you know hoping the, the chalice would pass you by and stuff like that how did you get over that? And then when you, you were in, in, in the role itself, what did you see as the kind of positives and, and possibly some negatives about being a bishop? Yeah, um, so how did I how did I get over it? Well, I found that actually when I came into the office, it wasn't um, a minor crisis every day. It was just a minor <laughs> crisis every other day. No, I joke. <laughs> um, so I think um, arriving... Uh, so I would say what helped me to get over it was so when I when I eventually then went down to the um nunciature and um I, I, you know that um the nuncio presented me with the uh, with the news he he to be fair was was really had a compassionate heart mm. he was able to um re he was very reassuring one of the things he said was that the paisley is a lovely diocese and uh, and and you will love the people of Paisley. Uh, so that that stuck with me. And then um, when I came up, um, I, so then I, I came up and I, and I had to come over here for the announcement. Now the announcement then was in Paisley because it's a, a, a smaller diocese. There's not a press conference or anything like that. What happens is they said it's going to be announced at twelve o'clock in the Vatican on the eighth of February. So, which is 11 o'clock your time, just be in the diocese when it's announced. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, at the time, Bishop John Moon was still alive. Mm -hmm. And um, so I invited him into the office with me and the Chancellor and the, the VG as they then were. And and um, Bishop Moon was, was a great help to me, actually. He was like a, a father figure to me. And uh, in those first years when he was hale and hearty, mm -hmm. he, he was always with me. Uh, in all of our celebrations, and and that was a great that was a great help for me because a lot of the love and affection that he had, 
that he kind of when when people were were round about him, then he kind of shared with me and that I think that he was a big help in 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 how I was accepted. And the day that I was ordained here, um, that was a great help to me as well because I I turned up. They didn't know me from Adam in Paisley, and yet the cathedral was jam packed, and the hall was jam packed, and they had to take the look at the 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 gloom. Um, leisure centre across the road mm -hmm. and, and then I thought you know they don't know me but it, they've not in their minds they've not not yet got John Keenan but they've got a bishop mm -hmm. and for me it was a great um, encouragement to know how much and and, uh, and uh, a humbling thing to, to know how much the people were were pining for a bishop there were two years between Bishop Philip leaving mm -hmm. and and me coming so I, I realised I'm I'm stepping into shoes that have already walked a long distance for me, mm -hmm. and uh, therefore um, I just there's a, there's a line that makes things easier for me, and then bit by bit it allows me time for my own personality to show. Um, the priests were very welcoming to me, and then the uh, my own um, staff, you know, my own office staff have been terrific to work with. And and the and the and the priests that I point to are my core team. So there's lots in many respects. In many respects, strangely, there's more support for a bishop than there is for a parish priest. Because mm. I've got an office around me supporting me, and I've got a, a curial team of a, a vicar general, a chancellor, a treasurer, mm -hmm. round about when vicars episcopal round about me supporting me. As a parish priest, often enough, you you can be pretty much on your own. Mm -hmm. But that's that certainly helped me. Mm -hmm. uh, and. All that sounds very positive. Like, is there anything that you sometimes is is, is a negative? Absolutely, and then the and the key one really is that uh, as a as a bishop, there's an there's an awful awful lot of administration. Right, right? there's a <laughs> lot of uh, administration. You, um, uh, we do have to. We're just so now that's either as a as a bishop in in a diocese, um. Uh, and there's more and more administration. The the, the country is becoming more and more bureaucratic, mm -hmm. and it's requiring more and more um, regulations, yeah. whether it be finance, whether it be um, fabric, whether it be uh, safeguarding, whatever it be, whether it be in our relations with our schools. There's more and more, whether it be GDPR, whether it be um, insurance. All this, this, there's so much administration. Um, to be done now, I I've got a, a, obviously got an office and, and a curial team round about me who share that with. But even so, mm -hmm. we're we're still fairly small for all of this that that has to come. And then there's the then there's the um, the care of the the parishes as well, making sure that they're uh, uh, you know keeping up to with their administration and 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 what have you. So that is uh, and then there's the bishops' conference where again. Nationally, that we're, there's eight of us, and we're responsible for the for the church. And I don't think there's in the eight years I've been a bishop. We meet about eight times a year, mm -hmm. sometimes for a day, sometimes for two, sometimes for three, sometimes for a week. I don't think there's ever been a time that we've met where we've not been dealing fairly seriously with safeguarding. Yeah. I so um, over and against that, a parish for me, um, although there was um, administration. It it seemed to me that there was less. Yeah. It seemed to me that in my parish life, I was able to spend a lot more time with with people. Mm -hmm. I, I and and those people 
I was able to get to know them because they were this, the, the parish I had was the family, the parish family I had for and the chaplaincy for 14 years. So I got to know them really well and really we really became a family that supported each other. In the diocese, um, you know, as a bishop, you're, you're, you go around the parishes and, and um, the, the people are, are amazing, but we, we don't spend every day yeah. with each other. And so that, um, that uh, the, the pastoral side of it, I, I, I miss mm. a lot, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I'm going to take you into my wheelhouse a wee bit here. And, well, obviously it's part of yours as well because it's something you thought about, seeing that you had a, a Salesian heart and you thought about mission and stuff like that. So the term itself, mission, what does it mean to you? Yeah, so mission is a big thing for me, mission. Mission means reaching out, isn't it? It means, it means going beyond your comfort zone. It means going beyond where you are. It means reaching out to those who, who you don't who don't know Christ, who haven't met Christ or have forgotten about Christ, those who are not in um a relationship of salvation with, with the Lord. Now that's not to say that we're not missioned to the to, to Catholics who are, who are who are who are coming, but mm-hmm. we talk about that mission much more in terms of pastoral care. Yeah. So our 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 mission to our own people, yet giving ourselves, being sent by God to our own people who are coming to, to Mass and the Sacraments. That's a mission. But it's in terms of pastoral care, and so far as anything, it, it, it mission proper, it means it to those who need to hear the good news and to be brought to Christ and brought to the church. That is all around us now, um, Jerry. We had a, our own diocesan synod in 2016 mm-hmm. on the new evangelization and the um, role of the lay faithful in that. So, evangelization is the modern word for mission it's 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 going out to proclaim the good news uh so it, there's there's the, the i would say probably the the first mission that um um preoccupies me is 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 the mission to our diocese mm-hmm. to the lapsed mm-hmm. uh and now there's the same um, god help us there's so many when i when i was as i said when I, 50 years ago when i was in primary school 90 percent of the pupils in the school and their families went to mass now it'd be nine percent, maybe. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, an enormous mission that the church w- w- somehow we have to crack that nut. Somehow we need to discover how to go from maintenance, a church of maintenance, to one of maintenance and mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as Paul the Sixth said in Evangelium and Siandi, the church exists to evangelize. The church exists to be missionary. It's the raison d'etre. Mission is the raison d'etre. Of the church, um, Pope John Paul said, um, the "Parish will survive to the extent as the courage to find itself outside of itself." So, we need to find a way to reach to our Catholics who are no longer coming to bring them home, and then uh, within that, to those who who have never been Catholic mm-hmm. but who have not heard the good news. Um, a, 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 as a reality in in our locality in in in, in Scotland, yeah. um, a mission also means a, a mission to the evangelisation of our culture. So it means in the public square to that, that uh, we want to bring the 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 gospel values to our public square and and those anti gospel values to 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 work so that they they're eradicated. And then there's the then there is the, the mission that is that we always understood it where we talk about the missions. Mm-hmm. 
which is um, the mission of the church in the in the developing world, and that's what um, you know. From the from the, I was a wee boy, I've always really you know been captivated by uh, Missio Scotland and a, a to the church in need, mm. and about um, you know that in the in where I've gone to gone to um, a couple of times to Africa. You see, you see that you're you're overwhelmed by the vibrancy of the faith mm. of the church there, but Christianity is flourishing and thriving like like wildfire there. But it, it's thriving beyond its um, its its material resourcing now. And so there, you know, I, I was when I was over there a couple of years ago, and I was the. Uh, had a day out with one of the bishops and I was asking what he was doing that weekend. He said, well, I'm going north to open another two parishes. <laughs> right? And and another bishop was talking to him. He said, yeah, we're, my diocese, we're ordaining um, 15 priests next month, but it's nowhere near enough. <laughs> yeah. so a different order of reality. So the church is really thriving over there, but it, but it, it, uh, it needs also resourcing in terms of, it needs the resourcing of the, of the, of the schools, of the seminaries, of the, of the of the, cl- the the hospitals and, and and what have you. So, yeah, I mean, th- but that's the real hope. Mm-hmm. That's the real hope. Is 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 I think in the in the global south and the developing world for the faith. Where, whereabouts in Africa did you go? In Malawi and Uganda. Malawi and Uganda. How did you yeah. find them? There's two and countries I've been to myself. Hopefully so. this. Hopefully in the next eighteen months. Hopefully I'll 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 get out to Zambia as well, and mm-hmm. and then a project with Mary's Meals and a project also with them, hopefully with Skiaf. Okay, fantastic. Um, you mentioned about lay people there and, and the, their kind of importance to the mission. How can we here in Scotland be missionaries, and what's the best way that we can live out our mission? So it's it's all about um, it's all about the whole church understanding the the vocation um, of the lay faithful in the life and mission of the church, and I think that is all of us understanding it better. It's lay faithful and clergy understanding it better so i think probably um what the church is asking us to do is to is to understand better and reflect upon and appreciate better the common baptism of all of the people of god so the most important um thing to my identity is the same as yours jerry is baptism mm-hmm. right so so the, our, our most important relationship, our most fundamental relationship, is not that I'm a priest and, and, and you're a lay person. That's not our, our essential relationship. Our essential relationship is that we're both baptized and we're brothers. You're my brother and I'm your brother. Mm-hmm. And both of us are equally responsible for um, the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you have the same dignity and responsibility as I do for spreading the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ because we get it at baptism. In baptism, every one of us is given a share in the threefold office or, or, or ministry or task of Christ. Jesus, priest, prophet and king. Um, so, are, so am I and so are you. Now that priesthood means someone who offers up their life. Now that applies to you as much as it applies to me. Mm. Um, I, I share in the ministerial priesthood, but essentially it's the same thing that, that, that every baptised Christian is called to offer up his or her life to God in a priestly offering. Every one of us, uh, priest or other, bishop or pope or otherwise, it shares in the prophetic ministry of Christ, 
Prophetic ministry means that every one of us is responsible for speaking the word of God in the circumstance where every one of us is responsible for, for, for proclaiming the gospel where we are. And a, a lay person, that's in their family, it's in their local community, it's in their workplaces, by how they live their lives. Every one of us shares in the royal dignity of the, the priesthood. Now, Jesus was a king who, who came to serve rather than be served. Every one of us is called to offer our, uh, ourselves in service um, to the church and the and the and the well-being of the church, so I I still think we've got a way to go, mm -hmm. because I still think um, culturally we think the essential relationship of the people of God is whether you're a priest or whether you're not, mm -hmm. whether you're a priest or a nun or whether you're not, and there's still sort of a sense that that um, the priests and and religious they are the first class Catholics. And the rest of us are in coach class, <laughs> right now, and that's and and the churches, the Holy Spirit, the, the the council asked us to break beyond that and just say no. There's there's only one class, and that's baptismal class. Now, that you know, I think as as the priesthood, we need to realise that to to make space, to make space that the lay the lay faithful can properly fill. So when when we see, well, how does it? So how do, how do in terms of we're a team and we're different, uh, different players do different things. What's what's the essential role of the priesthood? It's to um, it's to um, preach and teach the gospel, to steward and administer the sacraments, and to govern the people of God in unity and charity. Now that's what the priests do. That allows them, the lay faithful, to be salt, leaven, and light in the world. It, it was pro it's probably because arguably the case the the lay faithful. Have the a more fundamental missionary task than the priests and and uh, and and religious do, because we're we're to equip you to be the salt, leaven, and light in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not to be salt, leaven, and light in the world so much as a priest. You're to be salt, leaven, and light in the world. I'm there to um, fill you with the with the knowledge and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in order for you to do that, and also to govern the whole people of God in unity and charity, so that they don't do it alone, but they all do it all do it together. And, and just in, in terms of that, obviously the diocese have had kind of ongoing synods at the moment. I take it you've been quite involved in that, and how has it been? Yeah, so we have been. So this is the synod 2023, mm -hmm. which which Pope Francis has has called. Now, every it's, in one sense, he's he's not doing anything new. Mm -hmm. That ever since the Second Vatican Council, part of that called the popes every two or three years to call a synod of bishops on a particular theme that was relevant or urgent for the church at the time. And since the, the Second Vatican Council, we've had these synods on evangelization, on, on marriage and family life, on um, catechetics, uh, on the priesthood, on, on various things. We've had, had all these um, synods. Um, and and they, they take place, then there's a preparatory document sent out to diocese, and then those are gathered, and they inform the Synod when the bishops meet in Rome. What um, Pope Francis wants to do is just to expand synodality so that um, it, it's more and more uh, involves the participation of the lay faithful. He's, so he's really zooped up the, the preparatory uh, aspect of it. When he's called um, each of the dioceses to have their own mini-synod, um, a, 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 and to use the report of that as 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 what we send, that will inform the twenty twenty three synod. And he's he's asked for this synod 
not to be about, they say the priesthood, not to be about catechetics or not to be about in marriage and family life, but there's this to be a synod about synodality. Mm-hmm. How, d- how do we become a synodal church? So it's a synod for participation, communion and mission. So I, so we, we've, they've, they've in a sense made it easy for us because they gave us exactly what we had to do. We had to have a, a, as wide a consultation as possible mm-hmm. with the people of God on those themes, participation of the, the lay faith in the life and yeah. mission of the church, communion, um, mission, and we had, uh, we had in, in the, all of the means, whether it be questionnaires online or gathering people together in parishes or, or groups and what have you. The, 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 the Vatican sent out 10 questions. It was in, it was in Vatican language, just let's us say. So we, there was an effort to translate that into Scottish English <laughs> rather than kind of Vatican Latin. And we um, put out a number of questions and we gathered information together. And the report that was put together... I think was a good report, and we had a, a lovely evening prayer celebration to 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 conclude that part. And we've now, we've now we sent that, and now the what's happening next is that each country has to produce its own report, mm-hmm. which will be sent to to in a continental report will then be sent to the synod of bishops. I think what what um, uh, people will say things like, "Well, look, um, isn't isn't ours going to wind up just a drop in the ocean?" So we've we've done our ten page report, mm-hmm. but once that is then subsumed into a ten page national report, which is subsumed into a ten page continental report, which is then sent to the bishop, you know, um, and I can understand that, but I think what the Pope is really doing is saying, well, one part is that it will inform twenty twenty three synod, but the other part is I want you to actually get into the way of doing things synodally. What we can do together, we will do together. Mm-hmm. I want you all to get into this. The exercise is, is helping all the diocese to get into this synodos walking together, yeah. uh, uh, clergy and lay faithful, and uh, making uh, making decisions together for the good of our diocese, getting us into that culture. Excellent. Uh, just in terms of, like, what would be your hopes for the future of the church in Scotland? You've talked about, you know, the vibrancy of the church in, in Africa and things like that. How, how do you see the future of the church here in Scotland? It's real headwinds, Jerry. There are mm. real headwinds. Uh, I think, uh, a, a, you know, it, you know, if you're looking at it from a discerning eyes or from human eyes, just let's say, or, or for eyes of, of faith and reason, secularism is is growing apace. Mm-hmm. You know, a, and and the the Christian footprint in society is 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 becoming smaller and smaller um, a, in society, and that doesn't look as though um, there's there's nothing that, that seems to suggest that that's going to change uh, going forward so um, I think if, if, if all things remain the same uh, I think I can't say how secularism isn't going to continue to grow and um, the, the Christian footprint in the culture continue to fade away so I do really believe that we do need to change the way we are church mm-hmm. i think we've we've got to change i i i don't think we can s- i don't think the solution is simply to s- simply to close and merge churches and do nothing else mm-hmm. right i think that just means in 10 years time we need to close more and more churches i think we need to do something else mm-hmm. and i think it's already there in the in the second vatican council and, and 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 what the popes have been saying since and it's exactly what we've been talking about 
I think um, it's 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 essentially two things. It is it is more and more of a a focus, a concentration on the on the on the mission of the lay faithful of the, of the vocation of the lay faithful, the life and mission of the church, uh, the universal call to holiness. Uh, the the lay faithful are called to the same holiness as 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 the priest and religious. They're called to put God number one in their lives, and the number one prerogative of their life is to bring others to Christ mm. uh, and to give them the, their, their their true dignity and the authority. So, um, the lay faithful um, to 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 do things for the gospel, for the mission of the gospel in Scotland, the lay faithful don't need permission from the Pope. They don't need permission from the bishop. They don't need permission from the priest. They got permission from the Holy Spirit in the, in the baptismal font. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's it's us trusting the lay faith, forming the lay faithful, um, moving out of the way and saying, them, go on with it. Be salt, leaven, and light in the mm-hmm. world. You go wherever you are, in whatever area you are of this life, and, and preach the kingdom of God and the values of the kingdom of God into that. And then, obviously, the implication is, we can't be a fortress church that is that is rounding the wagons and ever decreasing the circle. We've got to be missionary. We've got to go out and and you know we've got to find structure, a heart and structures mm-hmm. that go out. You know, so if you you look at our parishes just now, you're to do an audit and say, in what way is your parish missionary? What does it do to go beyond um, this the, uh, the 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 pastoral care of those who come? I think, generally speaking, we would say not very much. Mm-hmm. So I think um, th- our hope is our hope is to say that, that let's really think about how we do it. I remember in, in Glasgow at the time of, of the Renew thing, there was a good thing, which was a messenger system, which there was a parish bulletin and, and, and parishioners in their own street were to take it and to, to knock on the door and say, this is from our parish, it's letting you know what's happening and blah 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 and just build up a bit you know kind of month by month a conversation that was that that was mission mm-hmm. that was that was going out and so i think that's where the, where the hope is now where where are we going to find the the desire to do that ultimately where do we find the desire and the strength to do that it's again back to what i said caritas christi urge and it's the love of christ drives us on so you can't give what you haven't got so again i think it's encouraging um our priests are our religious and our lay faithful to have a really um vibrant relationship, friendship, love of Jesus, which which they which they which you almost inevitably get by his grace if you spend time in prayer with him. Mm-hmm. And the basis of the, the scriptures or the rosary at mass, but to or, or whatever devotion, but but each one of us uh, re- getting to know Christ more, loving him, as, as, as Richard of Chester said, day by day, to see you more clearly, love you more dearly, follow you more nearly. Um, that that's 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 it. a renewal of the church, a renewal of our faith, will bring about a renewal of the culture. Fantastic. This question, obviously, um, I'm coming up from a position of personal bias, but why do you think it's important for people to support the work of Missio Scotland and its partners throughout the world in the Pontifical Mission Societies? It's important to do it first and foremost from love. St Paul, when he was setting up the the Christian communities in Corinth and Ephesus and um, Colossae and uh, Philippi, he set up those those communities first 
His mission was simply to preach the gospel to them, to engage them with Christ. And then, then normally what happened was uh, a couple of days later he was run out of town <laughs> by the authorities who had caught up with him and were jealous and he was stoned within a, a, an inch of his life. And then he went to the next town and did the same thing. We had enough time to preach the essential gospel uh, 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 to to um, to maybe baptize or have them baptized so they get them to believe and then on the way back he then established a priesthood the elders established a priesthood they established the church and the liturgy so that they could they could they, they had a resilience to to build on or modern sacrament but then in his second third missionary journey he said he 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 would write to the church to the first church he's established who are a little bit more mature and say, there's this other church that's, that's um, just started, but it needs your help. Mm-hmm. It, needs, it needs some of you to go over to and be elders, to be preachers, but it also needs a collection. It needs funds um, to, to, to fund its, its own life and its own mission. And so he talks about, he writes, you know, he's very, very clever. He writes to um, one community, doesn't he? And he says, you know, I'm writing to you and, and I've already told them you're going to give an awful lot. So it'd be a terrible embarrassment to me if you actually never had the money ready when I came so that I could take it to the, to the next group. But I know you're going to have that money and the other church did really well and I know you're going to do just as well, if not better, because that's the kind of people you are. St. Paul understood immediately we're not a congregationalist church. We're the universal Catholic church mm. and we all, all help each other. What what I have and um, I give to the other who doesn't have and what, what he has, he gives to me in terms of what I don't have. Mm. So with the, uh, the church, the, the, the Catholic church, I, I wonder if any Christian community is going to survive if it's not universal now. Mm. And, and the Catholic church has the resilience of a universal church. If, if, the, if, the, if there's a, a weakening in faith in Scotland and in, in Britain over the last three generations, there has been an, a, 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 an equal and opposite, if not more, growth of faith in, in, in Africa, the vibrance of the church. Now they're sending missionaries to us, mm-hmm. they're sending priests to us, they're, they're all over the country that we're now being supported by, by, by African priests who came from our, our missionary efforts of our parents and grandparents mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, at the same time, we are relatively in the West and Northern Hemisphere. We're richer than than, than they are. So uh, what's what's ten pounds for us is the equivalent of about five hundred pounds in some places. Mm-hmm. And, and people see that particularly in Mary's meals. What what is the cost of one lunch in, in Scotland feeds a child at school for a year mm-hmm. in 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 some parts of Africa? So um, so we have, relatively speaking, we are we are materially better off so we can support them materially whereas at the same time they they are supporting us spiritually so i think it, it's it's not it's not missy is not about so much about us giving to them far from it it's about us all helping each other mm. with the surplus spiritual material that each of us has fantastic i will just we'll end on a wee light-hearted note like i usually do Tell us something about yourself that others might not know. Oh, something about <laughs> that others might not know. 
Oh. We had Sister Plaster who said that she did Doris Day impersonations, which I, I would never have guessed. Well, so. do you know, I am not a bad impersonator. <laughs> really? I'm not a bad impersonator. I actually can do... Don't ask me to do it. <laughs> uh, but uh, but, I, but I, do, I do find that I'm not bad at in, impersonating. You don't do the other bishops, do you, no? Um, <laughs> not, not to their faces, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Um, I, but I don't know, people would know that... Um, uh, I I can I can play a little bit of the piano. I can play a little mm-hmm. bit of the the guitar. Uh, but that's not so much. A, that's not much a, a a funny thing. When I was a a, a, a younger priest, I'm, I'm more sober now. As a younger priest, I was I was known for the colour of my socks. I didn't realise that, but um, <laughs> people you, you used to give priests socks for Christmas, and um, and and I don't know why it was, but. Uh, not everyone gave me black socks. They were, it was a time in the in the beginning of the new millennium where colourful socks were in, and I didn't realise when I was wearing colourful socks it was a surprise, if not a scandal, to most people <laughs> uh, who were coming to mass to see that that Father John has bright orange socks or bright green socks or bright whatever <laughs> socks that are on. Uh, uh, yeah, so I kind of had uh, that was a, a thing I was known for, and 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 colourful jumpers as well. I used to wear colourful jumpers as, as well, but that's that, that was. That that was then. <laughs> Fantastic. Bishop John, thank you very much for taking time to speak to us and all the best. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you. Missio Scotland is a Scottish branch of the Pontifical Mission Societies, the Pope's official charity for overseas mission. To learn more about the work of Missio Scotland, you can visit our website www.missioscotland.com You can like us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Missio Scotland. You can also follow us on Twitter, Missio underscore Scotland, and on Instagram, Missio Scotland. If you would like to donate to Missio Scotland, visit www.missioscotland.com slash donate. You can also call us on 01236 449 774, or send donations to Missio Scotland, 4 Laird Street, Bridge, ML5 3LJ. Please keep us in your prayers. Thank you and God bless.